with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot cope with him. Can't do it. I mean, listen, we talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. Are now locked in to the Clock Dodgers podcast. Clock Dodgers podcast. Episode 56 of the Clock Dodgers podcast. Fantasy football is over. Well, not necessarily. The NFL playoffs are here, so leave it, you know, to the fantasy football addicts that we are um, to find ways to continue to get our fix. It was only right that me and Adam, Adam, you're on the line here. How are you doing today, man? Oh, man, super excited. Playoff fantasy is uh, just as exciting as regular fantasy. It, it's so much fun. Yeah, I was going to say, it's only right that, you know, I wasn't going to introduce you for a second there. It's only right that <laughs> we have this conversation. Um, I, I, you know, if you're in the fantasy football, like, super hardcore, you know, you follow everybody on Twitter or you're on the apps and all that kind of stuff, um, you know that everybody is still talking about fantasy football because of this this playoff thing, which... Um, you know, I, I'm always transparent. I've actually never done any of these kind of playoff matchups. Usually I oh, finish, wow. yeah, usually I finish the season when everyone else finishes and that's it. Um, but you know, obviously being really intertwined with the fantasy football community this year, more than ever, I figured, Hey, let's make this extra push and, and see what this is all about and how great is it and all this kind of stuff. So I'm going to do it. Um, so we're, we're going to dig into that. We're going to dig into general football stuff, you know, like we always do, but um, I'm gonna have to, you know, lean on you a little bit when it comes to that, you know, playoff stuff there, that uh, fancy stuff, so you can help us out. Awesome, man. Let's do this. All right, cool. So before we start, I do want you personally to give me one reason, as a Raider fan, why I should have any hope for the Raiders this weekend. Because understand that your answer here is gonna dictate the rest of my mood for this podcast. So <laughs> if you don't give me something that I can actually cling on to, I'm gonna be really depressed, and you're gonna carry this thing. So. Um, give me give me one thing, Adam, that I can have as a glimmer of hope. Brock Osweiler. <laughs> <laughs> that works. That works. I, I thought if I kept it simple, it would work. <laughs> that, that works. So so you've lifted my spirits a little bit, man. So we'll we'll, we'll push through this thing, and I'll I'll participate. Um, so what 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 we always do is we always kind of talk about um, you know a lot of the, the the news and stuff that's happening right now. I know. People think, you know, the regular season is over, so maybe there's not much news to talk about. But that's wrong because there's a lot of interesting stuff that's actually still happening. I wanted to try it a little differently this week, though. I want to I make it a little more funner. So I want to do it. We're going to call it Prop It, Stop It. So we're gonna, I'm basically going to, you know, what we'll talk about the headlines and then we'll say whether we want to prop that headline or whether, you know, we want to big it up and talk about it and, and, and we agree with it and it feels good. Or if we want to just say, stop it, stop talking about it. It's stupid. It's dumb. It's nothing but a bunch of crap. Um, so the first thing, which I'm sure everybody's heard about at this point, is Tyrod Taylor. He's having surgery, which that's not really the breaking news. But a, a lot of people have been mentioning that he had this clause in his contract where if he was healthy, the, the Bills could basically cut him and not owe him the 25 or $27 million that he's guaranteed or something. But if he's hurt and he can't pass a physical, they can't cut him, and pretty much he's locked into that guarantee. Now, whether that's his motivation for the surgery, obviously, you know, the guy's really hurt, but, you know, the way that it's all kind of unfolded, some people are saying that, you know, Tyrod did this on purpose, um, the timing-wise, to get that money, 
um, to get that guaranteed money to kind of put the bills in a you know situation where they can't just cut them and, and say, you know, that contract we signed, it really means nothing. Um, I mean, honestly, dude, if that's true, I'm propping the hell out of it. If, if he if he actually pulled that off, if he was actually that creative and, you know, pulled that kind of business move, I say get your money, Tyrod. I mean, if, if he did that, I'm propping the hell out of it. But do you think he did it with that in mind at all? I mean, even just a little bit, Adam? Oh, God, dude. I was, like, going to say, ugh, stop it, because I think it's just – it's a ridiculous notion to me. I think it's much more realistic that Tyrod was like, hey, I need to play an entire season, especially since my head coach is probably going to get fired, and I need to – display that I'm capable of continuing as the starting quarterback for a GM that basically wants me gone. So I think it was much more that and him putting off injury. I mean, we see this constantly in the NFL where players, you know, don't disclose injuries throughout the entire season. And then immediately their season ends and they have off season surgery and people are like, Oh my gosh, he wasn't even injured. What's going on? Well, what's going on is players understand that, if they make their injuries public and they're still going to play through them, that they run the risk of being targeted by defenses for whatever's going on with them. Furthermore, players constantly play through nicks, through you know strains, through things that they can physically play through without taking the time to really properly heal up when their job is on the line. So for Tyrod, I think it was much more a situation where he knew that he had to play, and now it's the offseason, so he's getting the offseason surgery. Yeah, maybe it's a little overly coincidental that it supports him from a guaranteed money standpoint by being injured if he is technically still injured through March. I mean, that's the thing about this. is It, it might be even a little early. From what I've read, it's saying that it's, I believe March 6th is the date that he's got to go through in order for this to kind of hold up as he gets guaranteed money because he's injured. I think that for Tyrod, it's probably much more about getting healthy. But if it is, you know, like you said, a situation where he planned it, well, yeah, it's a win-win for him. He wins because he gets a support team and play the entire season, except for Week 17, which was a coach's decision to bench him. It wasn't his decision. And he wins by putting himself in a better position to get guaranteed money in a guaranteed contract which ultimately hats off to him if that was his route to take. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, we're not saying like he planned the injury to happen and, and, and it just worked out that way. I'm just, I got to say, at least prop on the timing, man. The, the coincidental timing of all this, you got to prop something here, man. Something deserves it because if this all plays out exactly like that for him, man, I'll be happy for him because, you know, he was at risk of being cut. And I, it does, it does bug me a little bit that the players sign those deals and then can just lose all that money, you know? So, um, I got to at least prop the timing of the whole thing, but you know, obviously we're not saying like, Oh, the guy purposely got hurt. And like, it just, you know, I'm going to make sure I get hurt and it lasts this long. I know, we know it's not like that, but yeah, I don't get the drive to cut him either. It just doesn't make any sense. I get that, you know, it may have been a situation where uh, Rex Ryan really liked Tyrod, and that's why he became the starting quarterback there. But from what Tyrod Taylor has shown, he's not at that level of quarterback where you don't have anything to work with. I mean, he seems to have a lot of tools that a new coach could grow upon. 
And furthermore, I don't really know who they expect to bring in that's going to be that much better. I mean, it's going to be the race for Tony Romo in the offseason. But outside <laughs> of that, we do not have a lot of good free agent quarterbacks, and this draft doesn't look great for quarterbacks either. So I'm not really sure what the drive is other than freeing up money yeah, to I mean, get rid of Tyrod. I mean, is anyone banging the table that Tyrod is the problem for their issues? You know what I mean? Like, oh, I, I, mean, I, I can't on. imagine that. When you play with Rob and Rex Ryan, you can only be this good. That's the ceiling. <laughs> like, this is true. It just it doesn't get much better. So I mean, credit to you, I, man. I you, hope... you you did call for Rex's head like in week three. Well, yeah, I'm a big Tyrod Taylor fan, and I felt like Rex Ryan doesn't not know how to run a full team. He's a solid defensive coordinator. Hopefully, he can go back to being a defensive coordinator or to take some form of linebacker coach or, or whatever on the defensive side of the ball but as a head coach he just had no idea how to orchestrate an offense and he also didn't know how to hire the right guys around him or I guess I shouldn't say hire because he didn't do the hiring but to get the right sort of coaching staff around him to support an offense to be successful and constantly he would take play calling duties which didn't make any sense from kind of a head coaching perspective when he's a defensive-minded coach. So it put Tyrod in a really bad position to begin with. And, you know, luckily he was able to put up a pretty decent season after losing Sammy Watkins and really having some pretty terrible options to throw to. I mean, he, for all intents and purposes, was a pretty average NFL quarterback and not the type that really should be looking at getting cut by their franchise. Yeah, I agree. They can make some moves there, make that team competitive still. It's not like they're, you know light years off, but it's definitely adios to Rex Ryan, and I don't think anybody's mad about that. Not to the next prop it or stop it, though, is Chris Berman. He is leaving the ESPN NFL Countdown show. Yes, he is. Finally, I don't know how long it's been. It's been, like, longer than I've been alive or something, but I'm going to say prop it, dude. I'm happy this guy is leaving. And, I, you know, I, it's not just, it sounds kind of rude when I say that, I don't mean it in a, in a rude way because I do respect the guy. Obviously, I, I respect anybody who's you know achieved extreme levels of success, and obviously he has done that. But he single-handedly made me like dislike the guy when during the NFL draft stuff, he would always like spout out the pick before it happened, acting like he's some kind of like Nostradamus with the picks and stuff. And you know, I, I couldn't stand that dude. And now I know a lot of people do it now. It's like something that all the networks do. It seems like, but. It just bothered me because he was, like, the first to do it, pretty much, or at least for me when I was watching. He would be the guy that would say, oh, the Bills are about to pick such and such, maybe, and, like, you know, do it all, like, on the sly and stuff. I couldn't stand it, man. So, you know, maybe this is just one of those situations for me where he's run his course or whatever it is, but I certainly respect his career and what he's done, and, you know, I would never take nothing away from that, but I'm propping the fact that, you know, he, he's, he's leaving the show. Man, uh, I'm... I'm gonna say stop it. I I'm I'm kind of bummed right now. You you uh you pulled from something that like I never experienced. Like I never have sat down and and watched the draft and have him spoil anything for me. So I don't I don't get where you're coming from. Unfortunately, all I think of is like he's the NFL auctioneer who like can recap everything that's happened in a weekend of NFL in two minutes and. When he does those little pieces for ESPN where he does that, like, I have so many memories of my childhood that are attached to that for some reason. So for me, I, yeah, I was really disheartened to hear them letting him go. 
I don't know. It was kind of a weird thing, too, because, I mean, that's a much bigger one. But for me, also kind of on the same tangent, uh, them getting rid of Mike Goldberg in the UFC, I was really kind of taken aback by that as well, um, with him being partners with Joe Rogan for the last like, 15, 20 years there. It just, uh, you know, both of these figures for me in my two favorite sports leaving, they're kind of like voices of a generation for me in a way. So it, it's good to kind of get that turnover because now it's, you know, we'll have new voices and it will change in different ways and become more interesting because of those changes. But the the loss is definitely there for me in both cases. Listen, the only thing ESPN NFL Countdown loses is someone that goes, da Raiders. <laughs> but, you know, they can replace that. I mean, come on, man. Uh, oh, the truth comes out. You just don't like how he says Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> well, not not in the last fifteen years. I haven't. But you know, you know, I don't know, man. The the, the draft shenanigans annoyed me. Ho- hopefully, some people can relate. I hope I'm not the only one. Again, not like I, not like I hated the guy. You know, like I said, I respected everything he did. I did, and like you said, he is a voice um, of a generation. So you can't really knock that. But you know, if I'm if I'm uh. If I'm being a devil's advocate here, you know, here, I gotta, I gotta say profit, man. But, uh, and, and the Mike Goldberg thing, man, I know it's kind of off topic, sort of, but like, you know, you brought it up, so I'm gonna go there. Um, it does suck, man. Like, you know, like you said, when you get used to these voices for so long and then they just cha- change, it, it is kind of weird. You gotta get used to it. Um, and, and with that situation, and in both these situations, we have no clue who they're gonna replace them with. So obviously yeah. the grass, you know, always looks greener on the other side until you're there. So I don't know what these, you know, what the plans are for, for either one of these organizations, but uh, we have no choice now, man. We just gotta just go with the flow. Yeah, we do. Hey, you know, Rogan may be out too, man. That's not. You mm, know, that's. I, I, I've heard. I've heard rumors. <laughs> I've heard rumors. I, I know. He, I, even I've on the podcast, you know, Rogan. Well, even but... Rogan said it. Like, you know, I might not even be there. You know, so who knows? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he's not in a long, or you know, it. it in the near future, I wouldn't be shocked if, if he steps away from it as well. But, uh, I mean, he already has to some extent. He only does the pay-per-views now that are in the United States. So it's uh, it's definitely him pulling back and him making them cater to him. But I think the UFC understands how important he is as a focal point, And they're not going to let him go. Because yeah. I think that there's probably a lot of people out there who watch the UFC in a lot of ways because of Joe Rogan. So... Um, I think that they realized they'd be losing a huge voice. Where Mike Goldberg, I think that, you know, with uh, WME having just purchased the UFC. Yeah, we're going deep UFC, uh, Clock Dodgers. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, WME purchased the UFC a few months back. And for them, they spent $4 billion on this. So they need to make money. And I think that they know that, you know, Joe Rogan has a big name behind him. He has a huge fan base, so keeping him is extremely important, whereas Mike Goldberg is just a guy, and they need to bring someone else in. I've heard talk is Jim Rome, which makes me kind of vomit in my mouth a little bit. Uh, I really hope that's not the case. What if it's Chris Berman? No. Oh, with, no oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> they swapped them. They swapped Mike Berman, and, I mean, uh, Chris Berman and Mike Goldberg. <laughs> Mike Goldberg comes to Sunday, you know, ESPN countdown and everything. That'd be epic. Oh, God. That'd be epic. Listen, oh, man, I have some more we got to get to, man. People, they're, you know, they're probably already like, why are you guys talking about UFC? So, um, Kyle Shanahan, man, possible next head coach of the Donkeys. I mean, the Broncos, and they're, uh, you know, you know, he's. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you go first. Do you, would you like? 
Are you going to prop Kyle Shanahan here, or are you going to say stop it? I got to prop him big time. I mean, he's done fantastic things with the Falcons' offense this year. I mean, they look phenomenal. They're probably one of the most exciting offenses in the playoffs right now, and uh, if they had a defense, they'd be a huge threat for the Super Bowl. Um, That being said, I think that if he is the type of coach which – I think if he can go to Denver, which is a really good, already established franchise, he'd have to, you know, be able to get quarterback play there. So I don't know how that's happening, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's Simeon. I don't know if they're, you know, going to keep working with Lynch. I don't know if they're going to look to bring somebody in. I'm not really sure what the long-term plan is there. Um, but I definitely think that Shanahan's going to get a coaching gig somewhere, and it seems like the most sought-after place right now is Denver. It'd be really interesting, too, uh, because Denver is kind of the big talk of a landing spot for Tony Romo. And if you wanted a really quick turnaround for that franchise, man, getting Kyle Shanahan and his offense run by Tony Romo there, I'd be really excited to see what that franchise could do next year because that defense is still still very very good yeah i gotta be honest i want tony romo to land somewhere as quickly as possible because he's gonna be the talk of landing everywhere basically but when it comes to kyle shanahan i'm gonna prop it with you man you know obviously you know everything you mentioned the dude's talented but also you know following in daddy's footsteps you know hopefully he has less luck against the raiders than his dad had but you know, I could dig it, man. I, I could dig it. You know, another Shanahan as the coach of the Broncos. Like you said, everything is kind of in place for him um, to succeed there. You know, as good as he is as an offensive coach, you know, like you said, the quarterback situation maybe has to be worked out. Although, you know, you know, who knows, man? Maybe the quarterback's already there. But I, I, I like it. I think I think it's a good good move for him. He deserves a shot. You know, he's proved a lot. You know, the last couple of years, and we'll see how it pans out. But. Um, just following in his dad's footsteps, I think would be pretty cool to kind of coach the same team. A lot that's a that's a that's a, a burden, probably though, right? I mean, you think that's a, you think do you think that would be on his mind at all? Like I have to live up to this. Yeah, I mean, I think it could be on his mind a little bit, but hopefully, he is the type of person, especially with him, you know, having gotten into the position he's been able to get himself into so far, that he uses it as motivation and not as kind of something to live up to. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He's gotten himself where he is, so hopefully the the mental the mental uh, weight of that wouldn't be a, a game changer for him. Um, one other thing that I wanted to bring up, you know, for, for prop it or stop it here, is coaches who are playoff bound, their teams are playoff bound, that are still on the hot seat, though. So, you know, we, we've heard things about the Texans, the Lions, um, although some of those have kind of settled down a little bit, I think. I think the Lions may have um giving Caldwell another year or something I don't know but um just you know prop it or stop it on just playoff team coaches being on the hot seat do you prop that or say stop it um just in big general time, big, big time stop it uh especially I mean the big one that I hear being talked about right now is that <clears throat> the uh the Texans front office has really never liked Bill O'Brien because he hasn't really given Brock Osweiler a chance there. And he hasn't given Brock Osweiler a chance there because uh, Brock Osweiler is hashtag bad at football. Yeah, I would think that'd so, be a reason to keep him is because he didn't give Osweiler a chance. If anything, I mean, they really should be talking about how well that defense has played, even without having J.J. Watt there. And ultimately, how they still made the playoffs, still won their division. Granted, went nine and seven, so it's not like they lit the world on fire or anything. But were able to still make the playoffs with 
basically a quarterback that should not be the head quarter or the head quarterback, the starting quarterback of an NFL franchise. And I mean, when you get benched for Tom Savage, a fifth round pick, you know that the situation's bad. So <laughs> for them to, I mean, basically what they're doing is they made the playoffs as if they are what the Raiders are right now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much, man. Yeah. I don't know. It's gonna be. It's gonna be weird. It's, I, I, I'm with you though. I, I again. I, I don't think that if your team made it to the playoffs, that a coach should be on the hot seat. It's just one of those things where like a lot of coaches don't even make. A lot of teams don't make it there. Obviously, it's a it's a select few. Your team had to have played halfway good to be there. If there's certain, you know, I think you have to look at it. You know, if there's a certain thing that's your team's been struggling. You know, like you said, Osweiler is the reason why they've been struggling. It's obvious. You know what I mean? So I don't know if, how much you can hurt the coach for that. Um, he didn't sign the guy. You know, it's not his call. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much of the call it was, but it was not like he actually, you know, was the, the guy who pushed that all the way. I don't think, at least. Um, but, you know, when your team makes the playoffs, it's like the last thing you want to hear about is your team, you know, firing the coach and stuff. It just seems like not the right, you know, direction to move in when you're playoff bound and hopefully – you know, you never know, man. Once your team makes it to the playoffs, you never know what happens. I mean, the Texans can go on some crazy run and be in the Super Bowl. You never know. So, to even you know, to even say the guy's in the hot seat is just a stupid distraction. So, um, again, man, I agree with you on that one. So, eh, it is what it is. Um, but you know, we're we're uh, you know, obviously the heavy thing here is the playoffs, right? We're we're gonna get into talking the playoffs themselves, our predictions on it, the playoff fantasy leagues and everything, you know, that are going on, the challenges that are going on. I did, I did want to get into a not really long discussion, but just draft strategies in general, um, since the season is over, the regular season that most people play. Um, you know, obviously me and you have discussed it before uh, when we did the midseason draft with Fantasy Matrix and, and on different occasions where People were zero running back heavy. People were wide receiver heavy. People were, you know, don't draft a quarterback here. Do tight ends here. This, that. Um, when it comes to draft strategies, for me, I think this year has proved, again, to just kill them all, man. Like, I mean, I'm being half-jokingly, but just seriously, if you go into a draft, I feel like thinking one way is the right way or the only way, I feel like you're just drinking too much Kool-Aid from somebody that's selling that idea to you. Because I did drafts all different kinds of ways, you know, just to test things out and then, you know, go my own way that I always do. And I just feel like if you do your research on the players and the teams, your league set up, even your opponents in your league, which I think is super important and just kind of overlooked for the most part for many people. Um, you know, you go in there versatile and, you know, during the season you stay active, waivers, trades. I feel like any, you know, any draft strategy you have can work if you do all those other things right. And I don't know, man, I feel like people are still going to stick to their guns on zero running backs or this or that. And I just don't get it, man. Are, are, are you going to stick to one of these? Are you one of the guys that I just don't understand? Or do you feel like, Hey man, you can go in anyway and, and, and come out a winner. Well, I think that the struggle is that like, for me, for instance, I was a big proponent of zero running back coming into this year. And I, Basically felt that way after doing zero running back last year a little bit, uh, but not as much as I did this year. And also after really taking the time to uh, read the um, writings of Scott Siegel and his writings on anti-fragility and kind of the, you know, 
fundamentals of why zero running back is an effective strategy and how it relates to statistics. With that in mind, I, I understand like the, the core fundamentals of why that's an effective strategy. But at the same time, you're entirely right. There is a lot of confirmation bias involved in the success of one strategy over another. Uh, there always will be. I mean, the same thing exists in fantasy football just for takes as far as, you know, what you thought positively about a player. I mean, you're always going to go back to those players that you thought were going to be successful and then were. It's just right. kind of our human nature that we get excited about these players that, you know, we talked about before they were good and then they got good and now we think that they're the greatest thing that has ever happened. So I think that from a draft strategy perspective, I think that there is still a lot of relevance to those sort of strategies like zero running back that um, definitely do have a lot of credence to why they're effective. And that being said, I won two leagues this year, both of those leagues, one was a dynasty format, one was just a standard PPR but both catered to kind of a zero running back strategy. And in both, I utilized a a wide receiver heavy strategy to start those drafts. That being said, I also took last place in a lot of leagues that I use zero running back. A lot of best ball leagues that I use zero running back in turned out terrible because in best ball, it really hurt not to have a Le'Veon Bell or Ezekiel Elliott or David Johnson. So there are definite credences and, there are definite benefits to a strategy like zero running back. But as you've kind of prefaced, there's nothing better than really just going in and getting the players that you think are going to be most successful and watching them succeed. Ultimately, no one has a crystal ball. And year after year, we see that, you know, it doesn't matter if it's the consensus rankings over at like Fantasy Pros or your favorite website's rankings. It's really hard to be accurate. And coming into a season, ultimately, we all kind of get this general consensus about where players should go. But every year when you look back on it and are able to reflect on where players ended up, it's so different that I think that really you can embrace almost any strategy. And I think that it comes mostly back to stick to the players that you really have faith in yourself, trust your own instincts, you know, pick up information from places that you trust, and ultimately just have fun with it yeah. and you're going to have to be active throughout the year to win in any of your seasons. And I think that that's the thing that probably goes unnoticed the most is that you have to be active throughout the year to be successful in fantasy football. And we put way too much emphasis on the draft because we have so many months that prepare up to the draft and (laughs) then it's a weekly game after that. Yeah. And we got to fill airtime. So we talk about a lot of things yep. and we obsess over the draft because it's fun, but ultimately it's not what is going to win you every one of your leagues. I mean, that's just, that's just not going to happen. Yeah. And, and one of the things, you know, we, we see a lot, I, I at least see happen to a lot of people is people get stuck on one person's advice or one person's idea. You know, me and you both know there's guys who love statistics, love numbers and they're, they're, they're statistics driven and it's like they don't care about what their eyes show them or what game film says or anything like that. They're just numbers driven and that's it. Then you got guys on the other side of it that don't care what your statistics say. This is what they see on the field. This is what happens when they watch game film. And 
you know, it's, it's, it's really honestly better if you just take a little bit from each, I think. You know what I mean? You just you find that happy medium. Um, don't be a stickler to one side or the other. I'm not really sure why guys do that. I'm not sure if it's an ego thing, if it's a pride thing, if it's just a, you know, the way their mind works thing or, or what it is. But I think if you take a little bit from each and stop, you know, getting stuck on one side, thinking that the statistics guys have to be right or that the game film guys have to be right and that, you know, take a little bit, hear what they say, hear what they got to say, and then kind of formulate your own opinion somewhere in the middle is probably the best bet. Wouldn't you agree? Definitely. Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to draft strategies, man, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting coming into next year how people, again, start talking these strategies up and what new things pop up and what, you know, statistics show us from this past season. But I just wanted to comment on that really quick because a lot of people – you know, or either bashing one strategy or the other or, you know, one side of the, you know, advice, you know, kind of guy. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. And like I said, how next season, as we get all this time to talk about draft, who we're going to draft, who we're going to draft, you know, more strategies are going to come up and uh, we'll see where it takes us, man. Now on to the NFL playoffs. Now for real, this is for real, for real, not no fantasy stuff. We're, we're going to talk actual NFL playoffs what outcomes we think are going to happen adam okay oh all so right to stray away from the fantasy stuff for a second and go to actual nfl and i'm going to start with my beloved raiders versus the texans and i'm going to let you go first because i want to hear you destroy and dismantle my team's playoff hopes <laughs> <laughs> you, you just you just don't want to have to do it yourself <laughs> yeah pretty much I mean, ultimately, um, you know, the the Houston-Oakland game is basically the uh, consolation prize of getting to make the NFL playoffs because the winner is most likely going to be headed to New England uh, unless Miami pulls off an upset over Pittsburgh. But uh, with the current situation being what it is for Oakland, they really are just they're they're at a big loss. I mean, having to start Connor Cook, a rookie quarterback, which is the first time in the Super Bowl era that a rookie quarterback has had to start in a playoff game, uh, make their first start in a playoff game, that is. And uh, for Oakland to be put in that situation after really having, I mean, an extremely exciting season, uh, if Derek Carr was still the quarterback, I honestly think they'd be a huge threat in the AFC, Um possibly behind only new england in my opinion for uh teams to be super bowl contenders and without them or without Derek, they are in a situation now where they may get beat by houston who barely went above 500 this year uh ultimately i think that the game's really going to come down to whether or not um Oakland can kind of sustain a running attack and play the, you know, ball control game. I don't see him being able to do it. I do think Houston wins. And uh, I think that it's a super low scoring, pretty boring game that uh, that Houston wins by like a field goal. All right. So thank you for getting all the negativity out the way. Now, Raiders, man. I mean, listen, why would I not pick the Raiders? Why would I not? Why would I think that a rookie quarterback in his first ever start, would win a playoff game against an actual good defense. Why would I not think that, man? Isn't that logical? I mean, seriously. I mean, Osweiler gives me hope, and then J.J. Watt takes it away. So, as a fan, you know, you don't ever want to quit on your team, right? I mean, you don't ever want to be like, oh, my team doesn't stand a chance. Like, it's just, if you're a real fan, like, that's not in you to, like, just give up like that. So, 
you know, I, I'm just going to sit here and hope Connor Cook shocks the world <laughs> that Osweiler stays as bad as he's always been. But, you know, realistically, I know that the Raiders are basically, you know, in a bad spot right now. They went from, to me, they went from being like the dark horse in the playoffs to basically a dead horse. They're just, there's, you know, no, no one has faith in them. No one believes in them at this point. And it sucks because we're playing the Texans who obviously, you know, you would normally like your team's chances against them. It's not like some team that you feel like, you know, the the deck is stacked against you like the Patriots. So, you know, I would feel good about this game. Uh, to me, anything could happen. And obviously I say that as a Raider fan, but I do believe we'll lose it, um, which sucks. <laughs> really, really sucks to say that. But uh, I wouldn't mind a Cooks coming out party, man. Why? Listen, let me ask you a question. Okay. Okay, we've seen how Dak played this year, right, for the Cowboys? Um, is it that crazy to think Cooks can do the same thing, man? Yes. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> Good offensive line. What's the difference, man? Uh, coming I mean, out, they're, coming, they're, coming into the draft, Cooks was... You make a really good point. Uh, if there is a situation for a rookie quarterback to have to go into starting a playoff game, that offensive line does help a ton. Uh, Houston's pass rush without J.J. Watt is is not as strong as as it could be. So so there are benefits. I mean, there, it's not the absolute worst-case situation. But, man, just be honest with yourself. You don't want to have to see Oakland go up against New England next, next yeah, week. Yeah, I don't. So, so just, like, let them bow out now. We'll just say that, you know. It, and, and, and it's like J.J. Watt, no J.J. Watt. It doesn't really matter because that defense still carries his identity. Either way, it wouldn't freaking matter. <laughs> but it's just, man, I just feel like, you know, crazier things have happened, man. But that's just me being biased. Let's move on before I lose my happiness here. Lions versus Seahawks. All right, so this is how I feel about this. One team is the better defense. And the better offense. I mean, by statistics, by, I, I could be wrong, but by statistics, I believe the Seahawks are better in everything compared to the Lions, I believe. Um, I see no reason why the Seahawks should lose this game to the Lions. You know, they my, 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 my big thing is they've been here before. They have the experience. They've also have had, you know, bad times in the playoffs that I feel like they need to rede- redeem themselves. So I feel like they have you know, all the drive and the talent to make this game, you know, their victory. I, I, I don't see how I could take the Lions over the Seahawks at this point. While I do know a lot of Lion fans and I'm happy for them, um, but I just feel like I gotta, I can't, I can't not ride with the Seahawks on this one. Yeah, I mean, the Seahawks are big Vegas favorites in this. I mean, they're, they're at a minus eight right now. And ultimately, I, I think that it's just a situation where Detroit's on a three-game losing streak heading into the playoffs. They're Facing a Seattle team that ranks top 10 in defense against the rush in the past. They're the only team in the playoffs to rank top 10 in both categories. And Detroit's just going to be outmatched. I mean, it's probably not going to be a super high-scoring game. I uh, I think that it's going to be a game that Seattle just kind of plays a lot of ball control. Um, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I really would be shocked if Detroit wins it. I think this one's pretty much locked up. All right. Well, then let's move on to the next one. I want to go over Dolphins and Steelers. Who do you got on this one, Adam? Yeah, I mean, this one is pretty lopsided as well. I, I really don't see any way that uh, Miami can can 
keep up with the Steelers' offense. I mean, Vegas. You're gonna make some Dolphins fans mad, man. I mean, they're on the hype right now. They're on the. When you set a playoff (laughs) line at minus ten, you're kind of saying that there's really not a chance. So. I uh, I look at Vegas lines a lot when I set fantasy lineups, and we're going to get into that a little bit in regards to um, you know some playoff fantasy stuff. But ultimately, if I'm just picking games straight up, I need a good reason to go against Vegas, and this is I I can't think of a single good reason to go against Pittsburgh. Um, so really, I, I uh, yeah, I think that this in Seattle are kind of the two big locks. If, if anything, honestly, man, if it makes you feel any better, I think that Oakland upsetting Houston is probably the most likely and Vegas seems it, sees it the same way. So if you want an upset, you, you at least have the best chance at an upset, in my opinion. I was actually going to ask you that too. So I'm glad you said the Raiders. Um, and, and you said it's hard to go against Vegas um, in a situation like this. For me, it's hard to go against Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. I mean, I just, you know, uh, Matt Moore, I, I mean, I know he's done all right, man. I mean, but it just doesn't, you know, they just don't instill confidence in me like like those two. So uh, it's hard to go against them guys, man, you know. So while the Dolphins have made a nice run, and I, I'm in South Florida, a lot of people are probably happy about their Dolphins, and I hate their damn music at the game when they score. So I don't want to hear that song at all, and so I want them to lose. And, um it's just, I mean, I mean, like I said, I, I just don't see them winning. I just don't see it happening. So they did beat Pittsburgh earlier this year. So I mean, if anything, like they've done it before. Let's, but, leave, let's uh, leave the past in the past. Miami. Adam. <laughs> yeah, let's, exactly. Let's leave the past in the past. <laughs> now the next one is interesting to me: Giants and Packers. I, I mean, I don't know what Vegas is telling you because I haven't looked at that. I'm I'm not sure. Just off of my own ignorance of what Vegas is saying, I'm not sure who the upset is here. So. You know, personally for me, I, I could see this game going either way. Neither one would shock me, right? So, you know, the, the the Packers obviously have a hot offense. The Giants' defense has been pretty nails, you know, from everything that I've seen. So you got this this offense that's been fuego. You got this defense that's been red hot as well. I, I can honestly see it going either way. I'm going to choose the Packers if I have to choose you know one or the other and I, and I honestly see it being kind of close I could see it being a field goal or even you know a, a defensive touchdown kind of game where you know that is the the you know the, the deciding factor but I'm going to roll the Packers just because you know I don't know man offenses are hard to stop and while like I said the Giants have been hot I just I don't man I'm not a crazy Eli fan I just I'm not I know he's done well you know decent and he's got some Super Bowl rings so it's hard to knock that but you know, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, and I just believe that the Packers um, will, will pull it out, although I do think it can be close. Yeah, I mean, the Giants have really won in spite of their offense so far this year, but your prediction is, I mean, it's funny you said you're like, I'm not looking at Vegas or anything, because really it lines up almost exactly with what Vegas is oh, saying. I mean, snap. they've got Green Bay by just over a field goal. I mean, anywhere from, you know, three and a half to five, I'm seeing the line on, on that game, so... With with Green Bay having that advantage, normally at home, kind of the consensus is Vegas gives three points for the home team. So, um, you know, they're saying on a neutral field, it'd be pretty close to a toss-up, which I think is kind of how we feel about it. Uh, the Giants' defense has shown that, you know, they can stop some high-powered offenses. They've beaten Dallas twice, so they definitely have that ability. That being said, I mean, Green Bay is coming off a six-game winning streak. Aaron Rodgers is on fire. And the Giants' offense is not doing 
really anything to support their awesome defense. So I like your call, actually, of a uh, defensive touchdown for Green Bay, maybe putting them over the top. I think that uh, I would not be surprised if something like that were to occur. Uh, I think this one's going to be close. When I get into kind of my, my playoff fantasy thoughts, I think that this game is probably the most interesting on this slate. Uh, and also it's the most interesting in any format where you have players going forward because either one of these teams, if they win, they could easily make a run because uh, more likely than not, they're going to be playing against Dallas. The Giants have already beaten Dallas twice this year, and Green Bay would be coming off a seven-game winning streak with Aaron Rodgers, who's been in the playoffs, has a ton of experience, and with a coach behind him who's won Super Bowls. So you've got the best of both worlds coming in there. Uh, really, I mean, uh, I'm interested to see kind of how things play out this week, but that matchup next week is going to be really, really interesting to see whoever Dallas gets, you know, unless Detroit pulls a huge upset over Seattle and, and they end up heading to Dallas. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, that, that makes sense. And so to run it down, I'm going to go at Raiders, upset of the week. We got Seahawks, Steelers, Packers. Yours is Texans, Seahawks, Steelers, Packers, right? Yeah, I'm going super chalky though, so uh, I feel right, I feel man. like I said if if anyone could pull it over, it'd be Oakland. But uh, we should differ on something, I guess. Yeah, yeah, we can differ, man. I probably differ with most of the world, but you know, besides Raider fans, but that's okay, man. It's okay. Now, what we like, well, what you mentioned, man, fantasy football playoffs. Okay, I I told you, man. My my background in this is non-existent, so. I don't really want to, you know, tell people what to do and where to go with things, but I do want, you know, to discuss it because it is a hot thing right now. If you're playing fantasy football, like I said, if you're a diehard and you can't let go, this is, you know, the next step. This is the next step in the addiction. So, you know, like I said, you know, I would feel like at this point I would be redlining my brain, crashing like a computer that's being overworked. I don't, you know, have all the 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 vast history on, on the playoffs, but I'm going to, I'm going to kind of let you open it up, explaining kind of let's, let's give a background on it because like I said, I don't know a lot about it. And so I feel like if I don't know, you know, it's pretty fair to say a lot of people may not know about it or too much about it. Um, so if you can kind of explain it better for people who don't know, who aren't familiar with it, I know a lot of people like I personally play with like offline don't know what this is unless they just don't tell me about it. That's possible. Um, but you know, just kind of, kind of get a breakdown of what it is first before we go into you know, how you win it or strategies and things like that. Just kind of give people a background on what it is we're talking about. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been playing in different playoff fantasy leagues for probably about the last five years now. And uh, the biggest thing is they vary based on format dramatically. Uh, so much so that I think they might even vary, in my opinion, sometimes more than, you know, regular season formats because they can take on so many different structures. Um a lot of the ones that I play in are more often uh, pools of some sort where you're not just competing head-to-head or anything like that, but you're submitting a team in one way or another and competing against a large amount of people. Um, the one that I've played in for the last five years is a playoff pool that's grown every year, and last year we had almost 100 people enter it. So... The biggest thing when you're playing in anything that's kind of a larger field is you want to make sure to diversify in a way where you're not going with the chalkiest picks and you're also taking plays that, if they do hit, 
are going to put you in a good position to take one of those first place prizes. Uh, I've actually been really successful in playoff fantasy pools in the past. Uh, last year, I took third place in one that had almost 100 people in it. So there's definitely um, there's definitely different skill sets based on different formats. So I think that it'd be interesting if we kind of discussed um, you know one or two or three different formats that are kind of popular in these, and then kind of tackle each, you know, based on their specific format, because there's a lot of things that can be very different. I mean, some have you keep the same players throughout the entire playoffs. Others have you pick players based on each week. So they can definitely vary in the strategies. Um, Is there a particular type that you have heard of or that you'd want to visit first? Well, obviously the the one that I'm participating in this year is the Scott Fish one. So, you know, that, that one is... You know the one that I'm in, the one I'm taking part in. You're obviously in it. A lot of people are, are in it. Um, so that that one, you know, it's most interesting to me because that's the one I'm going to be taking part in for the first time. But you know, like you said, you're in multiple different kinds. So certainly, I want to touch on all of them. But we could either start on the ones that you say that you're in that are almost up to 100 people or whatever, or we could start on the Scott Fish one, whatever you want to, wherever you want to start at. Okay. Um. Yeah. So to start, I mean, Scott Fish. We've talked about him many times on here. He's a great writer over at uh, Dynasty League Football and. He, uh, he has a podcast called the Bull Rush Podcast, fantastic podcast, super popular for running the Scott Fish Bowl. He's an awesome dude, and he creates fantastic leagues that he's nice enough to uh, encourage Neil and I to take part in. So uh, the particular playoff league that he structured is really simple. It's a really large playoff pool, PPR format, and each week of the playoffs, you pick one quarterback, one running back, one wide receiver, one tight end, and a flex of quarterback, wide receiver, or tight end. And those five players are your team for the week. They can come on any of the teams. The only catch is as the weeks go on, you can never use a player that you used previously. So it's a one-and-done type format. Uh, so in that particular type of format, you really want to hit on best matchups, in my opinion, um, but also be looking forward. So, for instance, this week, your best matchup most likely would be Pittsburgh against Miami. They have the um, one of the highest expected totals this week. Uh, actually, they do. They have the highest expected total for Vegas uh, at 47.5, and, and Pittsburgh has a minus 10 uh, Vegas score as well. So they're in a position where they're the big favorites in the most high-scoring game, so they're in a position to put up a lot of points. Uh, with that in mind, they're a good team to load up on this week, especially with next week them going against Kansas City, who's a much more difficult defense. Andy Reid is a coach who, over the course of his career, coming off bye weeks, uh, is rated something like 17-2, and um, and that's playoff and regular season. But what he's able to do is when he has that bye week and his players are able to rest, he seems to come up with great game scripts to be able to win games. So... For a team like Pittsburgh that might have a challenge if they were to win this game, it's interesting to really look at a team like that as kind of a, okay, I want to get my fantasy use out of them now because it might be their peak. So you want to look at situations like that. And then also you need to kind of balance that with understanding that if you think Pittsburgh is the type of team that can go on a huge run, you might not want to use them now because if Pittsburgh is a team that makes it all the way to the Super Bowl and you use all of you know their best players, say you load up and you use Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell in this first week, 
well, then you've cost yourself those three players, and if Pittsburgh makes a run to the Super Bowl, you are left out of those three guys for the you know conference championship, for the Super Bowl, for the next three games after this. So Adam, there is Adam, definitely just to interrupt, a dynamic. Just interrupt really yeah. fast. So for those listening who are new to this or don't know, are, are, are you ever eliminated at any point? Do you just ride the whole thing out? Is it whoever has the highest points at the end? What is their goal? Yeah, it's just highest points at the end. So you're never eliminated throughout. You're always playing. You're always in competition. And it's, you know, just total point structure. So not really a lot to think about in regards to how you are competing um, against everyone else because you're really just playing to get the highest score each week. That being said, there's a lot of strategy involved in what players you pick each week because the biggest caveat is you can only use those players the one time. Right. So if you don't, you know, say you don't start Tom Brady because you're like, oh, I'm going to use him later, and then the Patriots actually lose, you never got to start Tom Brady. Um, exactly. So so let me ask you, first week, right, is it suicide to do a, a Matt Moore? I mean, is that crazy? Is it- I mean, so the interesting thing is in the Scott Fish uh, playoff challenge, I think we're up to a couple hundred people now. Um, the last I heard, it's it's a $5 entry. I think Scott said that it had gotten up quite a bit uh, in, in prize pool. So I think, you know, we're seeing a couple hundred people enter it now. So once we get into the situation where there are a couple hundred people entering, it becomes almost like playing a daily fantasy, yeah. uh, you know, sort of contest That's what I was gonna say. where you need to differentiate somewhere. Now, is it that, you know, you pick Matt Moore? Well, it could be if Matt Moore goes out there and, you know, the the Steelers and the Dolphins are back and forth all game. And, you know, Matt Moore has one of these games where he puts up 300 yards and three touchdowns. That could be that could be huge. Um, but ultimately I think that it's going to be played more similar to a cash game. Uh, if you play daily fantasy in that you, you definitely want to play for upside. Um, but because there's no real salary cap, there's nothing to really push you to go to those most extreme places. Because for instance, this week we're going to have four quarterbacks that will never play again. So Ultimately, you could use any of those four quarterbacks. You don't necessarily have to go with the biggest reach. Right. right. So maybe, you know, like a, a Matthew Stafford, if they lose, he might have a better chance than, than like a Matt Moore. A Connor but, Cook. No, I'm joking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, well, you know, like you said, I mean, if you hit on that player, the chances that other people were on that player as well, if it is somebody like a Matt Moore, are so low that it it pushes your value just by having him up so much because against the field, it's ranked so much higher because people didn't take advantage of that yeah. big game. So, it, you know, there definitely is that balancing. It, it seems like one of those things where you don't want to give people a lot of advice on it, man. Like, there's very slim pickings, you know what I mean? Like, you don't really want to give your whole strategy away because – like you said, you know, you want to stand out from everybody. You don't want to pick the same things everybody else is picking. And you have a, to me at least, a small pool of people to pick from. It's not like you have all 32, you know, 30, all the 30, you know, something teams. It's like you don't, I don't know, man. I feel like you give too much advice to somebody. You, you hold their hand through the whole thing. They might end up being your competition. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from in that. The thing is, is, you know, with only one quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver, a tight end, and a flex, 
you're limiting the options because there's only five players that you're starting. That's so you'll true. be surprised how much these lineups differentiate. Uh, the next format that I'm going to talk about a little bit um, deals with setting an entire lineup of, of 12 players before the start of the playoffs. You keep it all the way through. That's one that I've played in for the last five years. And over the course of time with that, it's grown to the point where last year there were nearly 100 people in it. And there were only two lineups that were the same. There's just this crazy thing where all of us just kind of have different different viewpoints. Everything just kind of meshes a little bit differently. So I wouldn't stress over having lineups that are too similar to anyone else until you get to that Super Bowl. Okay. I would really take it one week at a time and really just look at creating the best you know, one-week lineup you can possible. Uh, personally, I'm not even going to be thinking too much about what teams are going to get eliminated or what players I'm eliminating ahead of time. I'm just capitalizing on the here and now, and I'm going to play each week just trying to create the best week as is. If right. I lose those five players, you know, if that means I stack, you know, Big Ben, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell this week, so that's, be it. <laughs> you know, that's that exactly. So be it. It's a situation where I'm going to figure out what the best players to play next week are because, you know, I'm going to gain players like Tom Brady and Julio Jones and, you know, right. Ezekiel Elliott who weren't there last week. So there's there's so many players that give huge upside that I'm not going to worry so much about the players that I'm losing. Personally. Okay. So we, so we talked to Scott Fishway where, you know, once you use a player, you can't use it again. It's kind of like the eliminator pools when you pick, you know, games each week, you pick a team this week, you can't pick them ever again. So we get that. Now you said your other league, you pick a set of guys and that's who you ride with through the whole playoffs. So basically if you pick, you know, say, say you just did pick cook, whatever, you know, you pick the quarterback of the Raiders cook and then they get eliminated. You have no quarterback the rest of the league, right? Correct. So, so what's the strategy on that one? That's that. What what's the, the 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 major change in strategy there for you? What what do you what do you do in a setting like that? Because we kind of got the Scott Fish thing down, but this one's a totally different game, really. Completely. So these sort of formats uh, where you keep players. So you basically you're setting a lineup before the wild card games start, and that's your lineup all the way through the end of the Super Bowl. These sort of formats are so much more based on how you think the playoffs are going to shake out than anything else. Really what this is, is it's kind of a micro versus a macro. The micro was the Scott Fish format where you're looking at everything on individual games. Who's going to be most successful in those individual matchups? Whereas in these type of formats, they're very much more a macro view of who do I think is going to play the most games? Because ultimately, that's gonna what that's what's gonna accumulate the most points for my team is having those power positions that score the most points in fantasy, or the power players play the most games. So, in regards to this particular league that I've played in for the last five years, um, that format has you pick two quarterbacks, four running backs, four receivers that can be wide receivers or tight ends, and two kickers at the beginning. And there can only be one from each team. So you have to pick one player from each of the 12 playoff teams. And it makes it really interesting because ultimately the quarterbacks, like in any other fantasy league, do score the most points. Uh, that particular league is a standard scoring format. So it also devalues wide receivers a little bit and, and running backs a little bit in comparison to quarterbacks. So quarterbacks are boosted up even more. It's a six point per all touchdowns. So quarterbacks really become the focal point of it. Well, the caveat in that is you want your quarterbacks to play as many games as possible. 
So a um, quarterback that plays in the wild card round and makes it to their conference championship game plays three games. That is the equivalent of any of the teams that get a bye in the first round that end up making the Super Bowl. So really that, in those sort of formats, I really try and figure out which teams are going to play three games. And honestly, this year, the hardest thing that I'm running into is figuring out who in the NFC has the biggest chance to play three games. And I mean, we talked through these matchups this week a little bit, and it seems like we both like Seattle and Green Bay. But if Seattle and Green Bay go on, they played one game, that would be their second game. Seattle would take on Atlanta. Green Bay would take on Dallas. I don't know if either of those teams can overcome those matchups. And then from there, I don't really know if Dallas versus Atlanta, who comes out of that alive, or if either of these teams kind of move out of that, who goes to the Super Bowl out of that mix of four, if you will. So for me, those sort of formats, those playoff fantasy formats, are much more about those matchups and figuring out how that's going to shake out for how I want to build my lineup. Because for me, it's all about having those quarterbacks who are going to play three games. And ideally, if you get one of those quarterbacks who goes from the wild card round to the Super Bowl and plays four games, you're going to be a huge amount ahead of the rest. Right. Man, this is crazy. So it's funny because you prepare all season for fantasy football and you do all this stuff and then it's over with, and now it's like a whole new game has come up. You know what I mean? I and, know. I love it. <laughs> and, and, and not just one whole new game, but multiple, you know, ways to play this game. So it, it's it's fun. I'm glad that I've, you know, got become a part of it now because, like I said, I literally I never heard of this. I mean, I've heard of, like, Eliminator stuff and everything once you hit the playoffs, but I don't know, man, all these different, you know, angles and strategies and structures for these things. I didn't know they all, know they all existed. Um, so it's going to be fun to be a part of it. And like I said, man, there's a lot of people who aren't taking advantage of this. I'm telling you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for sure. I think that not enough people really get into playoff fantasy and hopefully, um, you know, this creates a little bit more noise out there for, for maybe next year or even for people maybe to get in really late this year and, you know, yeah. reach out to somebody like Scott Fish or, you know, find anyone who, you know, just who plays fantasy and see if they know anyone because I think you'd be surprised how many people do you know have some sort of playoff pool and really I think the thing that's you know most interesting about this is it keeps things fun and it, it keeps your mind kind of thinking and ultimately that's what I love about fantasy I love the game aspect of figuring out how to be successful at all these different styles and you know like I said in this one particular format, I was really successful. I took third in it last year. I'm really excited to approach it again this year because to me, it's like it's like a puzzle trying to figure out which of these structures puts together a lineup that is going to be most successful. And you know, watching that play out, I, I think it's you know just as exciting as you know drafting a, a redraft team yeah. and, and getting to watch your season play out. And it's just kind of a condensed version of that so i really encourage a lot of people out there if you haven't to find ways to you know continue playing fantasy in the playoffs because it can be a lot of fun yeah 100 percent. i mean like i said i want i wanted us to at least cover it you know kind of explain it to those because like i said i'm new to it i'm sure there's other people who are new to it or who aren't even doing it so hopefully they're listening they go and sign up because you still got time um to sign up for those and, and be a part of those and have fun in those um and you know adam you covered a bunch of the different you know different 
you know, league structures, the kind of different strategies that you have to embrace to do that. Um, just because I, I don't want, you know, obviously we could be here for a while, you know, breaking down even further into this, but do you have any, you know, specific tips or anything that you want to give people really fast that are going to participate in this maybe for the first time that you just feel like they want to really look out for a specific thing or pay attention to a certain factor of any kind of sort? Um, the thing that I would say is in most of these formats, you're playing against a large number of other people. And because of that, I feel like people go to one of two extremes. They either go really chalky. And what I mean by that is they think that the Super Bowl 100% is going to be Dallas versus New England, that the you know Vegas favorite's going to win each game, and that the top seeds are going to win each game. And often in the playoffs, that extreme doesn't happen. And then people go to the other extreme, where they're like, the only way that I'm going to win is if I start Matt Moore at quarterback. And it's like, well, you might not need to go that extreme either. What I've found to be really successful is kind of pairing between the two, um, particularly in the one format where I, you know, create a team that is one player from each team and I'm pulling that team from the, you know, the start all the way through the Super Bowl. I like going with someone like Tom Brady and then picking someone from the NFC, which I'm still kind of trying to figure out as far as quarterbacks go, that's a little less um, obvious. So maybe not like, you know, Dak Prescott, who their team's the favorite to make the Super Bowl. The Cowboys right. are probably the favorite. So, you know, instead of picking Brady and Dak, picking Brady and one of the other quarterbacks who I think still has a shot, but might not be as highly owned. Um, so the names that I'm tossing around right now mostly are going to be the Rodgers and, and probably the Russell Wilsons and the Matt Ryans. So it's kind of figuring out which of those guys is going to be low enough owned while still having a really good shot and doing that really at all the positions. Um, one thing that I've found to be really successful is to also identify those situations where um, people might pick someone different at the same position who you can find to be more successful. Um, to give an example, for instance, this year, Kansas City, if you were going to pick a wide receiver or tight end, there might be a lot of people who gravitate towards Travis Kelsey for his reliability, and you can go someone like Tyreek Hill for his upside. It's the same position, but you create a little bit more of a varied lineup. If you think more people are going to be on Tyreek Hill, you can go for Travis Kelsey to kind of diversify against what you think the majority of people are going to pick. Uh, another good example is somewhere like um, if you think, for instance, on the Giants, everybody's going to be on Odell Beckham. You can try and pivot off of that and pick somebody like Sterling Shepard. And if Sterling Shepard catches a TD and Odell Beckham only goes for 60 yards and they lose, you end up in a situation where Sterling Shepard just outscored Odell Beckham and anyone who picked Odell is now below you relatively because you just edged them out on that one little pick. So it's finding the, you know, the little spots where you can tweak things just right so it gives you an advantage against the field while still putting yourself in a position where you have a lot of chalky plays that are likely going to turn out correct. Yeah. It, so. sounds, it sounds like the running theme of this episode is freaking balance, man. You know, just yes. in, in all and everything we're talking about, man, balance. You got to find a little, you so know, that, you got to find that sweet spot. 
Yes, for sure, definitely. That I mean that that's a pretty good rundown. I mean, for anyone who does, like I said, who didn't have a clue about it or had a very um, you know amateur, I guess you could say, uh, knowledge of it, you know that that pretty much sums it up. You know, sums up the major the major pieces of it. And I think it's gonna be a lot of fun, man. Like I said, it's my first time, but I'm about to have a blast with it. I'm excited about it, and, and you know, I'm only gonna get in a couple, but next year I'll probably be addicted to it and be in freaking fifty of them like everything else. Um, but I really need to, I really need to give it a shot, man. I'm excited about it. And, um, I'm going to have Adam walk me through this thing, man. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm secretly going to pry the information away from you, man, without actually being obvious about it. I'm like, Hey man, who, so what are you thinking about a uh, quarterback this week, man? Just kind of <laughs> slowly pry it away from you. You'd be like, Oh, I'm just going to give him a quarterback. It's not a big deal. And then I'll wait a couple of days. I'm like, what are you doing on a running back, man? How are you feeling about other two this morning? And just slowly draw it out of you, man, because... That, what what else better to do than learn from uh, someone who's experienced at it, right, man? Hey, man, that's I'm, what I'm, I'm here to do. Here to help. I'm gonna give it a shot. I'm gonna give it a shot. Don't let me don't let me turn around and win this whole thing in my first year. You guys will hey, never man. hear never hear the end of it. <laughs> and I will not give you any credit. I'm like Adam didn't help me at all. He didn't he didn't tell me anything. Meanwhile, uh, hey, man, that is that's another one of those bragging rights leagues like the Scott Fishbowl. I mean, this one might end up even with more people than the Scott Fishbowl at yeah. the rate it's going. So. It uh it definitely is going to be another bragging rights league, so I'll be interested to see how we do. It'll be fun, man. It'll be fun. Well, the last thing I want to get to before we go, man, is foul or no foul. Um, actually, before I get to foul or no foul, you know how we always like to get our little food questions on here and stuff, man. Um, a guy at Paul Ryan, at Paul Ryan fifteen, actually on the Fancy Life app, really cool dude, super super clock dodger, man. But he asks us, man. And I don't even know if this is a legitimate question because to me it's not, but. His his question is, what's better, chicken fried steak or chicken fried chicken? For me, dude, no debate. I mean, chicken fried steak can basically go to hell. I don't even know what the hell that is. Um, I've never had it in my life, never will have it in my life, because anytime I see chicken fried chicken or fried chicken, I'm never going to choose something called chicken fried steak. So, I mean, dude, it's chicken over your entire food period, man. I really don't care. What, what What is your take on this, Adam? Have you ever had chicken fried steak? Dude, that was a pretty fire take for never having had chicken fried steak. It's, it's legit as, as legit as it gets, bro. Uh, no, nah, chicken fried steak is a southern delight, man. Uh, actually, I have had it. It is really good, but fried chicken is better. Yeah, fried chicken is easy. I'll probably get blasted for never having it, right? I mean... I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's a... I'm that in the south. I'm in Florida. Yeah. I mean, that's true, but you're in like... I mean, you're in like the super south, like, <laughs> Not like Louisiana South or something. You're, yeah, you're like too far, too far <laughs> south. Like once once you pass the bottom of where all the rest of the country states are, then you just have like it's just you and Texas down there, and uh, I don't know, you're too far east. So yeah, I think um, I think Billy Corbin, man, he, he he explains it really well on Twitter a lot. If you follow him on Twitter, he's a, he's he's like a Florida diehard. Um, you know, I'm sure people know his work, like, uh, cocaine cowboys, the U broke all that kind of stuff. But Oh, okay. That one. Yeah. All right. I thought you meant the guy from the smashing pump. No, 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 no. The other one. And, um, he always tweets stuff all day long about like Florida things that are happening in Florida, like news things. And he'll put because Florida, <laughs> it's just like, it's one of those things where, you know, Florida is not like the rest of the, the country or something. It's like, we're an oddball state. But, yeah, man, I'm sure people have had chicken fried steak here. I'm just not – you know me. I, we, we've discussed this at length on the podcast. I'm not like some guy who goes out and tries a whole bunch of food. You know, when I go to restaurants, I keep it simple. I don't – I always say I, I can – I don't want to be the person at the table when everyone says, oh, man, how was dinner? And I go, eh, it was all right. I'll never, oh, I'll, wait, I'll, I'll never order that again. I can't stand that. 
I want to say, hey, man, these chicken strips were good, as always. That reminds me. I, I almost forgot. I wanted to ask you about this. Have you heard about Taco Bell's new chicken chips that they're serving only in California? Okay, this I have not heard about. Oh, you got to look this up after the podcast. It's basically what it sounds like. It's a chicken tenders shaped like a chip that they are now having at Taco Bells in California and I'm so jealous cuz cuz I want to try that. Is that like is that kind of like is that like a knockoff of the chicken fry from Burger King and stuff like Pretty much. Getting I creative mean, with the shapes. Especially the, a chicken I mean, nugget. <laughs> if Chick-fil-A's taught us anything, it's people love chicken. Yeah, so man. Like, everybody's branching off of it now. So Taco Bell's just like we got to get in on this chicken game. So That's Yeah, it, chicken fries and uh I just I chicken. just saw an advertisement for it the other day. Or chicken chips. Sorry, chicken I'm chips. missing it. Yeah, we got chicken fries and chicken chips. So, it, uh, yeah, it's, it's super interesting. If I ever get out to California again while they still have it, I'm going to have to try them. Man, chicken chips. I got I to look that up. I got to look for a commercial or something. I haven't, I haven't even seen it. But you know me, man. Sorry, Paul. Chicken fried steak, just don't, it just doesn't jive here, man. Not for me, at least. It's that time again. Let's play another round of foul or no foul. Now, foul or no foul, I got some good ones. I got some good ones, man. The first one, man, this is a little off the wall, this one. So the first foul or no foul that I have, you're probably going to be like, what the hell? Where is this coming from? But foul or no foul, Himalayan sea salt lamps are bullshit. Now, before you answer, you may not even know what it is. You may not even know what it is. Guess what? I didn't know what it was either until a week ago when my mom decided that she was going to order one and have it sent to my house. Um, you might want to look it up first. You know, Himalayan sea salt, there's supposed to be some benefits of it, you know, for people. But my mom got me this lamp, which is now sitting on my desk, lit up uh, here in front of me. It looks like basically a piece of kryptonite or something like uh, But It's orangish, reddish, though, pinkish. I don't know what color you want to call it. But, man, she's like, she calls me and she's like, Oh, you know, it, we got one in the house. Someone got it as a gift, and like the energy has changed in the house. And <laughs> you know, um, my uncle is dancing with the dog now, and he usually just sits down a lot. And I'm like, eh, okay, ma. So you know, I let her send it to me. Of course, I'm not gonna say don't send that crap to me, but man, I mean, you know, I've had it plugged up next to me. I'm not feeling anything special. You know, I, I don't. I mean, if you could plug this thing up, you know, and Derek Carr is out there playing this at the Saturday. Okay, I'll believe your hype, but as of right now, man, I don't know if this Himalayan sea salt thing is uh is doing anything, man. This lamp, can you look it up really quick, man? Just see what I'm no, talking I'm about. No, I'm totally, I'm totally reading about it the whole time you're talking. This is amazing. I can't even believe this is a thing. This it's like a, crazy. it's like a rock with a light inside it, basically. <laughs> it basically, it kind of looks cool, but it's so, it's utterly ridiculous how much in this culture people will just be like. It does all these amazing things. Yeah, of course it does all these amazing things because someone is selling it. Like, <laughs> of course. First of all, though, Himalayan sea salt is the only salt I consume, really. That's all we buy at my house. It's utterly better for you. It's yeah, I know it has its good properties. It's, yeah, it, it, it's really good for you. Um, and ultimately... It's just not a really refined product like a lot of, you know, just standard white salt that you get at the supermarket is. With that being said, the things that they're trying to claim on here, like it reduces allergy and asthma symptoms, it eases coughing. Okay, maybe, sure. And then they just go crazy. It neutralizes electromagnetic radiation. 
<laughs> yeah, man. Like eons in the air. It, it takes it'll eons. Make you sleep better. It'll improve your mood and concentration. Like these are just these things that like one of the topics we talk about a lot on this podcast are things like confirmation bias. This is going to be riddled in confirmation bias. <laughs> if somebody gets this, they're going to be like, I have been sleeping a lot better. This is amazing. Exactly. Like, yeah, of course you've been sleeping a lot better because you've been thinking about, hey, I'm going to sleep a lot better now that I have this thing. It it's kind of that placebo out. effect, right? Oh, my God. It, yeah, it's, it's a placebo effect, and it's also confirmation bias. And ultimately, there's no... There's really nothing that I, I could think of that you could do to, to test it. I mean, it'd be interesting to, like, have them do, like, a case study on it. Like, they put people in a room with, you know, a lamp made out of Himalayan sea salt. And then they put <laughs> somebody in a room with a lamp that's made out of something else that's not Himalayan sea salt but looks just like it. And they see if people have similar effects. Like I, I just and I and, and the directions, man, on the box, the, the directions were like, um, you know, keep like it, yeah, <laughs> keep. I, I swear, it's something like keep it damp with plastic over it. If you know, if it's uh, don't, don't let the humidity get to it. Like if you're not using it and stuff. And then it was like, and you know, it's good for you know the one I have specifically. It's good for this size room, but if the room is such and such size, you might want to put a couple up. And I'm like, dude, can you imagine walking into someone's house and they got like, these friggin' rock lamps everywhere? You'd be like, what the hell is going on, man? I mean, you know, I would love for it to work. <laughs> I would love for all these hocus pocus special abilities to work. But right now, man, it's just a uh, a lit a, a rock that's lit up on my desk while I record these podcasts. It probably looks cool. Though, it right? looks cool. I'm legit gonna leave it there. I told my I told my uh, my youngest son it was uh, kryptonite. So <laughs> as of right now, I told him don't touch it; it will take his superpowers away. And I think that's the best benefit of it so far. Man, is that Your he legit won't touch it, man? He's like, I, I won't touch it. Is it green? It's not. It's not I mean, green. And no, kryptonite is green. But he's five, man, and he'll fall for it. Okay. Get, Your five-year-old is colorblind. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, I think there are some some superhero rocks that look like this. Man, I just don't know their name of them. Someone actually hit me up on Twitter. Let me let me see what he said to me, because I posted it on Twitter. Like, yo, is anybody familiar with this stuff? Let me see. I wanted I wanted somebody to tell me. Oh yeah, man, it's one hundred percent legit. One guy hit me up and said he has oceanfront property in Arizona. If I'm interested, but I said, uh, yeah, you can hit my mom up and ask her because I didn't buy it. <laughs> but um. Oh, uh, you know, Anthony, who was on the show last week, two weeks ago, last week, he said, yeah, he's got three of them in his house, man. But he did say that, you know, it's supposed to purify the air naturally and then, uh, you know, kind of relax you or whatever. But he's only had them since Christmas, so he can't confirm, uh, you know, the, the greatness of it yet. Uh, I'm trying to see. Oh, 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 OK, I got him. Um, this guy at Noodle on the Fantasy Life app, he messaged me and said, is that one of the Infinity Stones from the Avengers? So I guess it does look like something from a superhero. Okay. I'm not, you know, eh, no, I'm, I, I'll keep playing it with my kid, man. It's, it works. But as far as me, man, I don't know. I'll have to, you know, maybe I'll do a review on, on the website on cloudladders.com where I'll keep updating you guys. You let me know if I sound healthier every episode because it's right <laughs> in front of me as we record. As of right now, guys, Himalayan sea salt lamp, it's a motherfucking foul. But... I don't know, Adam. You might you might keep reading up on this. You're already a sea salt Himalayan sea salt guy. You might have a couple in your house after reading that. So you let me know if you if you uh, if you buy them. Okay, All right. I'll let you know, man. All right. The next the next file I know file that I had to get to. I, I'm really interested to hear what you say. 
Ronda Rousey should retire. Foul or no foul, Adam? It's it's a no foul. Um, ultimately, the reason that she should retire is because she's taken a lot of headshots in a short period. Well, it's not really a short period of time. Her last two fights, she's took a lot of headshots. She's at a point where ultimately she was kind of in a position where she wanted out, it seemed like, for a little while now. And that loss was just, it, it really made it really clear that she just is not in the right position. Mostly, I think, because of her camp, but ultimately she's not in the right position to be able to, I don't know, put herself in a position to win the title again. I think Amanda Nunez is much, much more skilled as a boxer. And really what we're seeing right now is kind of an evolution of female MMA that existed in men's MMA for, you know, a few years now, which is when those really strong wrestlers who are great at takedowns and can submit people fast run into somebody who knows how to keep a fight standing and, you know, ultimately fights start standing. So the person who's a better boxer, kickboxer is at an advantage right away because ultimately that's how the match starts. So for Ronda, she's automatically at a disadvantage against someone like Amanda Nunes. And really, I think that, you know, Ronda's made a lot of money doing this and she's in a position right now where she could leave if she wants to. I'd personally like to see her stay and switch camps and go to one of these elite camps that could embrace her and start teaching her and have her really embrace the sport fully again. Um, but I just, I don't know if I see her doing it. And, and ultimately, I think what this is, is it, it really is kind of a message to what's going on in the sport right now, where we're seeing a lot of their elite athletes realizing very quickly that they need to get big paydays as quickly as possible because as soon as they lose so do their pay- i mean their paydays just drop dramatically and the only one who's been able to kind of take a loss and still make a ton of money was conor mcgregor and it's one because conor's the biggest thing to happen to the sport but it's two because he immediately was calling for a rematch he immediately wanted to do it at the exact same weight he wanted to redeem himself and the way he went about it created that hype right back up again. And now it's like he never even lost. So for other players to do that, I or other players, other (laughs) fighters to do that. I just see it as unlikely. Uh, And specifically for Ronda, I just don't see the benefit for her. I think, I think ultimately, um, you know, I, as a fan would love to see her take a year and train at one of these elite camps and to come out really strong. Um, but I don't think you can give her an immediate title shot again, uh, even though WME will want to because it would sell tickets. Uh, I I don't think you can. And I think that probably what's going to happen is, is that will be her last fight. Yeah. I, I, I say no foul. I mean, I couldn't be any more positive about it that I think she should retire. Um, you know, and, and, and like you mentioned, I mean, first of all, all due respect to her, she obviously made a name for herself, for women fighters. She kind of paved a lane for them, really. So it's not to take anything away from her as far as what she's achieved. Um, kind of like Chris Berman, man. But, um, you know, she has too many options to, to, for, for me to say to stick around there. Like, I feel like if, if like, okay, for I, I don't think she could beat Amanda Nunes. 
Um, I don't think she can win that title unless she's going to switch to some other kind of weight. You know, I just don't see her getting the title back. So I feel like if you if, if you're not going to be the top athlete and you if you're not going to be Connor, if you're not going to be Amanda Nunes, if you're not going to be John Jones, if you're not going to be them and you have other options, then you should probably bail on getting your head bashed in all the time because you don't have to do that. You know what I mean? Um, Definitely. So I feel like, you know, we, we've talked about it. Um, I've had a neuroscientist on the podcast. It's been pretty evident at this point that, you know, head damage, you know, CTE, all these things is as real as it gets. So I feel like if you have other options and, you know, you're not avoiding those things very well at this moment, you should probably stop, you know, and take advantage of your other moments. I think I've seen her, even her mom on an interview say like, you know, I told her to retire even before this. Like she's, you know, yeah. let, let people who who need to do this, do this and you bail. You know, get the hell out of here. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm cool with her leaving. You know, I think she should leave because uh, it just doesn't seem like, I don't know if it's, you know, like you said, the, the camp, if it's her, her, if it's her, you know, the fire inside of her, whatever it is, it just doesn't seem like it's there anymore. It doesn't seem like it's working. And, and just curious really quick, do you think that because you said, you know, the sport for women has, you know, dr- uh, dramatically increased in talent, right, and ability, do you feel like that means that she was overrated when she paved this lane? Or do you not think... Not at all. Know, no, no, no. It's not a situation where she was overrated. She was the best that the sport had to offer for a while. The difference is, is once you do something, everyone gets to watch film on it and learn it too. And the benefit of that is sports grow on top of themselves. And, you know, we see it with the NFL. We see it with the NBA. We're seeing it with MMA. It's growing on top of itself. And and all I was saying is that it, it occurred with men's MMA, and it's definitely occurring with women's MMA now. And now Amanda Nunes is this really exciting fighter who has huge knockout power in those hands, and she knows how to keep a fight standing. And it's going to take either someone knowing how to stand with her effectively or someone who can be quick on their feet, agile enough to change levels and take her down, similar to uh, what um, – oh, God, my, my mind just slipped. But, uh, but basically to be able to kind of embrace that, that foot movement and that wrestling that – we probably would have liked to see out of Ronda. And ultimately, I feel like if she had a different camp is what would have been the game plan for a fighter like Amanda Nunes. Yeah, it, it sucks. I mean, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see. We haven't, obviously, she hasn't made any kind of announcement whether, you know, what route she's going to end up going here. But um, either way, like I said, it doesn't take away from what she's done, what she's already achieved. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see if she uh, wants to give this another go. But... I won't be mad at her if she doesn't, man. The next Fowler Noah Fowler that I have, and this one I'm going to kind of give an example of why I'm asking this, but the the, the statement itself is certain topics are off-limits in jokes and comedy. Fowler Noah Fowler. Before you answer, the reason this kind of came to my mind was because, um, you know, I use the Fancy Life app a lot. There's a cloud that I just chat in there, all kinds of stuff, lots of cool guys on there. Um, this guy, George Geo, he's been on the podcast. They have their own, their own podcast, uh, Breaking Bad. The guys that I did the, um, the uh, Toys for Tots with and stuff, um, he made a post on there that had a picture of, um, damn, I can't even think of it. Carrie Fisher, um, you know, Princess Leia from Star Wars. And yeah. it was a meme that said, you know, 
uh, she said she wouldn't live in Trump's America, kept her promise. And then it said, and then he said too soon. And so obviously, you know, some people said, hey, man, disrespectful. You shouldn't have did that. It is too soon. Da, 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 da. And then some people were like, hey, man, funny is funny. That's hilarious. You know, you just got to live and laugh and enjoy life. And it just it is what it is. So that's why I kind of wanted to raise this question to you, to all the clock dodgers out there, kind of see what everyone thinks. But first, directly to you, certain topics are off limits in jokes and comedy, foul or no foul, Adam. Oh, man. I feel like I shouldn't even be answering this because it's just like you just get attacked. You can't win. You can't win, man. No, you can't Um, because we live in a really weird time right now where, I mean, the thing that's changed now is that when you say something, it gets heard by a lot of people that you might not have intended it to get heard by. And especially with social media, your voice is, you know, larger than you might ever know, even if you have, you know thousands of followers you don't know exactly how many people it's going to reach when you tweet something out and it gets retweeted and retweeted and retweeted and retweeted until a million people have read it and it's on the fucking trending topics for and twitter you lost your job because they fired exactly. you because of it yeah, yeah. <laughs> so things can easily get out of control um through social media that being said i mean i think that the thing that should always be most important about a joke is that it's funny and I think that that's what jokes should be graded upon. Whether they're offensive or not, shouldn't... I, I honestly, I, I, I want to phrase this a particular way. It's not that they shouldn't... Um, jokes that are funny, to me, are less offensive. And that's, to me, as an individual, as a privileged white male... <laughs> um, you know, I, I'll say any caveats I need to, but in my experience, that's been the case, is... Things that are funny are less offensive. If something is not funny, it's easier for me as an individual to be offended. That being said, I want to also say that as an individual, you have the right to be offended by anything that offends you. But that is no one's fault. It is just how you feel. Right. It's and a I perception. Think that's something as a culture that we have totally lost track of and is absurd. The idea that what someone else says offends me and that is their fault is a lack of perception for myself. I need to be able to step back and realize that if I'm offended, it's because something has hit me in a certain way and I've allowed it to offend me. Now, that doesn't give the other person the right to just say whatever the fuck they want and to have no repercussions for their actions, there's definitely a give and take there. But I think that people need to accept more responsibility for how they feel about something and realize that if something offends them, they can just as easily just walk away from it. And that actually, in my experience, stops the pain. So like, if I have something that comes up that offends me, I can step away from that and not have to feel any more of the offense that I initially felt. Instead, what I often see on social media and what I've done myself at times is go into those things and say they're wrong. Yeah, and then I attack end up it. a long discussion about it. I'm thinking about it for hours or maybe even days and taking more offense to it than I ever needed to when I could have stepped up initially and stepped away. And I think that more people should embrace that and realize that it's better 
overall just from a mental health perspective than getting in these ridiculous arguments about what's proper and what should be said and what shouldn't be said and trying to police everyone else around what they can and cannot say yeah man i mean i i, I agree with you i mean as, as far as you know the topics being off limits it's a foul i i think that you know in comedy it's one of those things and, it, and it's hard to explain to people who are offended by it but it's one of those things where like you know kind of anything goes in some weird way my, my thing is this though as long as the joke isn't purposely trying to be hurtful, you know what I mean? Like your intention is to actually be funny and not hurt people, then that's all that really matters. I feel like as long as you're not purposely being racist or purposely being homophobic or purposely trying to, you know, make someone upset, then, you know, if, you're, if your actual goal is just to make people laugh, then I don't see the issue in it. You know what I mean? Um, it's like, you know, we need to laugh more. You know, I'm willing to do that. I mean, if, if you've gone to comedy shows, if you've gone to stand-up shows, dude, those comedians, if you take things personally can be super offensive you know what i mean like and they don't it's not like it's at a certain race i mean i've seen comedians freaking you know slander kids children babies you know every race possible men women fat skinny like it's just the way it is it just comes with the territory if you go to a comedy show like if you should not expect anything less you know what i mean because that's supposed to be the place that you let go of everything that you let go of every you know, everything that you think of that bothers you, that stresses you, you know, the society, everything, and just laugh, just laugh, because I honestly believe, man, laughter is a medicine, you know, it is one of the greatest things you could possibly do, and so I think when uh, something's meant to be funny, man, you just laugh at it, and that's it, man, so, you know, people do get uptight about these things, people do get upset, you know, but I just feel like, what's the point, like you said, you could just easily walk away and forget it if it really bothers you that bad, but, you know, me and you can't tell people what's right or wrong, man, their, their perception is, is their perception, you know what I mean? I hear you. So it is what it is, man. But if it's funny, it's funny. I'm going to laugh. I'm sorry. Sorry who it bothers. I have two more, I believe. The next one. People who voted for Trump, the Trump voters, should feel betrayed by Trump's backtracking on promises that he made, such as Mexico is going to build a wall, and then today we're going to build a wall, not Mexico. Foul or no foul, Adam? Foul, this is what presidential candidates do <laughs> yep. constantly. Yeah. Like, you can't be upset. This is, I mean, honestly, if he does, like, even three things that he said he was going to do, you should be happy because <laughs> that's more than, like, most people. I mean, let's be honest. Like, it, it's just a game to get elected, and now we get to figure out what his intentions really were. And also, to some extent, I think that, you know, him more than most or more than really any presidential candidate probably was disillusioned as to what he'd be able to do. So we'll see. Um, that's all I'll say from there. But yeah, I mean, you can't be upset. Yeah. He, he, you know, I he totally, might have not I totally even agree. known what he'd be able to do. Yeah, I totally agree, man. I mean, maybe Trump more than anybody else, like you said, because he was, you know, playing that that reality TV president pretty hard. But you know that's the role he played and say so maybe he did say some outlandish things that weren't possible at all really but you know like you said every president has done this any president you've ever voted for you can always look back and say well he said he was gonna do that and he didn't so just comes with the territory the last one and i don't know if you've seen this a politician uh he, he was getting sworn in to his new position uh and paul ryan and stuff was there and his son was at like the ceremony or whatever you call it where he's being sworn in with his hand on the book and everything and the politician's son dabs as his father's being sworn into his new position. And so his son dabbing, 
during his father's political, you know, position being sworn in is funny. Foul or no foul, Adam? I'd have to see it. You can't do that. Okay, go ahead and look it up. Look it up. Look it up. <laughs> oh, God. I can't look it up right now. What okay, you... well, either way. What, been... do you, what do you even search for that? Dabbing it yeah, and swearing just, you, you it? You can probably just Google son dabs and you'll find this right now. It's, it's all over the place. I mean... Basically, you know, the guy has his hand on the book. Paul Ryan's there, kind of swearing, swearing him in, whatever you, however you want to say it, swearing him in, swearing him in, whatever. And his son's there, like just straight dabbing, just hand in his face, in his arm. And Paul Ryan looks like he thinks the kid was in a sneeze or something. I don't know if he was playing this off or he legitimately didn't know what the dab was, but uh, he was like, "Are you all right? Everything good?" And eventually, the kid's just sitting, still sitting there, and he's like, "Can you put your hand down or put your arm down?" And he's like, I think I read now somewhere that the dad like grounded his son or something. But, you know, I just, you know, again, it's one of those things where some people were laughing at it. And other people were like, man, this is sad that this is what it's come to. This is a political, you know, event. And the kid's dabbing at it. Like, how disrespectful. So, you know, I just wanted to see what you thought, man. Are you able to watch it? Yeah, uh, I'm watching it right now. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> th- 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 this, this kid is obviously just like, hey, what's going to give me noticed? <laughs> <laughs> I am he's going grinning to from coolest. you know ear to ear yeah. the whole time dude i know he, he's just like i'm so cool like he, <laughs> he's like every 14 year old boy is like i'm on television and everybody's paying attention to me now like i am so cool i'm gonna get all the girls for this and dude, uh, not with that sweater vest but good try bro yeah <laughs> good try yeah i mean you know privileged white kids what can i say he's got his, <laughs> he got us talking he got us talking but no i mean honestly i think i think it is kind of funny if only because Paul Ryan turns around and he's like, what are you doing? Yeah, that's what I found like, the funniest. He's like laughing to himself and then he goes and continues it. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what like, I found funny. He's like, at least he committed. I mean, really, that's that's what makes things funny is if you commit. Like if he did it halfway and then he got looked at and he's like, oh, I'm not going to do it. He would have looked dumb, but at least he committed. So, you know, props for that. That's where Paul Ryan, I think, patted him on his back after. He's like, it's all right, man. And I thought like, did he think he really had to sneeze or something like this whole time? Yeah. Like. Maybe he thought he was crying. <laughs> like, Maybe it's possible. I mean, to be honest, like if you're gonna do that though, he like he like kind of half goes for it. Like, I mean, he was real stiff with it, man. He definitely did. And why is he, why is he dabbing? He should have made his own thing. Like that was your chance. I know that was his chance, but you know he let it go. He didn't Granted, nobody nobody would have noticed. They would have been like, "Is that kid having a seizure?" <laughs> yeah, that's true. They would have been like, "What is this kid doing?" The dab, the dab got noticed, but I mean, he was kind of stiff with it, man. Didn't have any fluidity in it. I don't know, just kind of froze there, like a robot version of the dab. It was, it was kind of weird. But I had to bring it up, man. Funny things, dude. We gotta lighten up the mood sometimes. We gotta lighten up the mood. Just don't go around dabbing like that, okay, Adam? Oh, I, I, I will. You I'm will? just gonna listen. Dab if you win the Scott Fish thing, will you take a picture of dabbing like that, completely frozen? Just dabbing <laughs> like you're sneezing with a tissue on your arm. I mean, I'd, I'd have to make sure that I was going to where someone was getting sworn in. But, yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd make it happen for All sure. Right, man. Hey, we'll hold you to that, man. We'll hold you to false that. Promises. <laughs> Listen, man, this episode was long. This episode had a lot of great stuff in it. We got a lot of stuff clear out the way. We got our playoff picks on the line. Man, really the only difference was the Raiders on ours, and that's just because I'm biased as a Raider fan and being hopeful. But other than that, man, it, it was a fun talk. I'm glad we got to do this again. We'll have some more of this coming soon. Plus, man, me and you, we're going to do some non-football ones soon, right? Yeah, man, for sure. We got to do some non We got to get some serious on here, man. We got to get serious. We got to get deep. 
we got a long off season ahead of us. That's for sure. A very long one. Well, thank you again, everybody who's listened, who's made it this far. We appreciate it. Adam can be found on Twitter at. Oh, this is where I say my. This is handle? where you say. It. I'm just gonna leave the open air for you there. This okay. Is, you can find Adam yeah. at. I guess Neil forgot. I'm at the other FF guy <laughs> on Twitter. And you can find me at, at Clock Dodgers. You see how no dead air at him? That's how you're supposed to do it, man. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think how you're supposed to do it is the person who says the at also says the handle. Okay. But, you know, how about you do it for I, me? I mean, I'm not, I'm not the host. Tell so. them where they can find me and then just pause. Well, now you know what's going on. Just, That's just not do fair. It. Just do so it. So now you can look better at. See, no, see, no, 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 <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. no, 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 Because you didn't no. know it was coming. No, no, no. Give, give, give me the full run. Come on. Give me the full run. All right. So, everybody, if you want to check Neil out on Twitter, you can do so at Clock Dodgers. Come on, man. You see how it just, that, boom, bang, I mean, just there, flew. There, there was still a little pause there. I mean, the clock dodgers out there will, will be able to attest. You paused, you paused a little, and you really knew it was coming. Like, listen, you said this. Listen, listen, up. listen. I'll give you another shot. Adam can be found on Twitter at the other FF guy. Much better, man. Much better. We promise you that will be smoother next time. You just gotta <laughs> stay on your toes, Adam. Expect the unexpected. I, I make no promises. I'm not gonna remember. Expect that. the unexpected, man. <laughs> Listen, hit us up. Join these damn leagues. Challenge us. You know. You know. It's my first year, man. Don't go too hard on me. But I think I'm gonna put Cooks in there. Throw everybody off. He's in a ball for like 300 yards, three touchdowns. You guys are going to be like, man, be this guy, I'll be the only one. But like, this guy's amazing, <laughs> man. How'd you know? I'm like, listen, I've seen it coming a mile away. But other than Twitter, you can find us, Instagram, Periscope, all that good stuff. Go to cloudodgers.com. As always, if you're interested in writing for cloudodgers.com, also just hit me up at cloudodgers on Twitter or the email cloudodgers at gmail.com. By the way, I'm, the wristbands, the Cloud Dodger wristbands are for sale on cloudodgers.com right now. I'm actually going to go to the post office this weekend, send some out, got some orders, got to get one to Adam, got some people I need to get them to anyway, uh, but I did get some orders. If you want to get one this weekend, do it before Saturday. Otherwise, you're going to have to wait because I don't feel like going to the post office again after I go because I don't know if you've been in the post office, man, but that wait is ridiculous. Ridiculous. So Man, it looks like we need to get stamps.com sponsoring this yeah, podcast. Yeah, that, that would be helpful. <laughs> I'd be helpful. I'm, gonna, I'm like holding out. I'm like, I'm not going to order the service until they sponsor it. So I'm just going to be bitter like that. and just. I don't think that's a good thing to say on the podcast. Damn it. You know what? It is what it is. I'm going to the post office, man. Someone just, you know, stamps.com, hit me up. But other than that, that's it for this week, man. I had a great chat with you, man. I had a great chat oh, with you. Always, Neil. Always fun, man. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to them next week, man. We'll talk to them next week. Sounds good. Later, guys. Guys, we appreciate you listening to this episode. I wanted to take a quick second just to thank everybody who's been listening for the fantasy football purposes the entire NFL season. Me, Adam, all the guests that have been on here, all the you know the guys giving fantasy advice, discussing it, having conversations about football. You know, if that's what you've been listening for, we appreciate it. However, unlike, you know, many of the other fantasy shows, the, 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 the ride doesn't stop here because we don't just do fantasy, as you guys know. So continue to listen. It's going to be a lot of unique guests. We will still talk fantasy, um, just not as much as before or maybe in a different way. Um, but you'll hear a lot of new podcasts from all different kinds of guests, from all kinds of walks of life. It's really going to 
um, change up a lot. I mean, it's a good change of pace, you know, and, and next year during the fantasy season, we'll have that happening at the same time. So there, there's a lot going on, obviously, you know, clockdodgers.com, you guys need to bookmark that, keep checking it out. As I mentioned a little earlier, if you're interested in writing, hit me up, don't be shy, DM me on, you know, Twitter, if it's the easiest way for you, at clockdodgers, you can send me an email, I'm totally open and, you know, open to listening to all ideas and different topics, it doesn't have to be sports, it doesn't have to be football, um, so if you have any other interest at all, feel free to hit me up for that. Reminder, again, the wristbands, they're on sale right now on the website. It's a limited supply. There's certain colors. Everything is limited. I can't promise you something if it's not there. Um, so I'm going to be mailing out, like I said, a bunch of those this weekend. I got a lot of people I got to get those out to. Thank you if you've already ordered. Thank you if you're going to order and you haven't yet by the time I recorded this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. There will be contests. Um, I ha- see that's that's something I wanted to mention. I forgot to do it with Adam on the line. There's a I have two shirts right now, two Clock Dodger shirts. You guys know um, we sold the Clock Dodger shirts before. I'm working on doing that again, but I do have some extras here at the house. I have a medium black Clock Dodger shirt, and I have an extra large long sleeve. I think it's like maroonish, it's like red Seminoles red kind of. You know, I don't know how to explain it. I guess garnet or something. Um, extra large. I have those two to give away. So what I'm going to do basically is, let's say for the next, maybe the next week or two, uh, what's today? Today is the 6th that I'm putting this out. So basically you could say a week, let's do a week from now. A week from now, whoever can get the most reviews and subscribers. Um, When it comes to subscribers, you, you have to show some kind of proof. So you'd have to either, you know, screenshot it or, or, or show some kind of proof, some, some, some way to validate that you're actually getting people to sign up, um, whether it's through iTunes, whether it's through Podbean, if they're not on iTunes or Stitcher, there are spots to follow on all of these. You can follow on, on, on Stitcher, I mean, on, I, on uh, Podbean, you can obviously subscribe on iTunes, and then also reviews. Reviews are really, really helpful, um, especially on iTunes. And of course, that's easy to validate because it's there when you do it. So uh, that's what we're going to do. We'll do one shirt this time around, and we'll see how it goes, and we'll do, we'll do the next shirt after that. So whoever wins this first contest, which will end on, let's see, today is, like I said, this episode is coming out on the 6th, and I'm not good with dates off the top of my head. So next Saturday-ish, the 14th, when that episode comes out, hopefully I will have a winner at that point. Of course, all rules are subject to change, <laughs> but I do want to have the winner by then. And you can pick which shirt you want out of the two shirts. So just, it'll be your choice, but just whoever can get the most subscribers, most new subscribers and new reviews. Let's just have fun with it. I mean, the main thing is we just want to keep growing the clock Dodger family. It's not just a fantasy football thing. It's not just anything. It's, it's everything. And we're a family. And, and I don't know if you guys feel it, but the more people that join on, the better this gets. I mean, every single time someone new starts listening or someone new starts visiting the website or someone new joins the chat rooms on the different apps on Fancy Life and all that kind of stuff, it just makes it, just makes it better. You know what I mean? It just makes it better. The Fancy Life app, the chat is going strong right now. Lots of new members on there. Lots of great guys. Um, shout out to uh, Bell, B-E-L, 19, R.R. Ruxin, 
Um, trying to think of some of the other new guys that have really been around a lot uh, lately. Just They just came out the blue, man. They're dropping heat. They're coming in hard on the site, man, on the app. They're doing great on the app in general, but, you know, really appreciate them, obviously, being in the Clock Dodgers chat and, uh, you know, showing some serious love on there. So shout out to those guys. I'm trying to think. I know there's somebody else. Neil. He's got my name. How can I forget him? Neil. Na- I don't know if it's Nagel. Nagel. 22. Shout out to you, man. Um, big props for coming around the chat. Really appreciate it, obviously. Uh, you guys have been super uh, super helpful on there, man. Super active on the app and everything. So much much appreciation to you guys for uh, for coming around. And if I missed you, I'm sorry. Send me a reminder. Let me know I, I didn't shout you out like I should have, and I will. I love you guys. This has been fun. Please take part in the contest. I don't Do whatever you got to do. Let's see who's really got it. It's the playoffs, baby, NFL playoffs. Now, step up to the plate. Step up. It's game time. Most subscriptions, most reviews, you can just focus on one if you want. You can get 100 reviews if you want. I'm, I'm good with that. Whatever you do, whichever way you attack this, whatever way you attack the contest, if you, when you win, I will announce your name on the podcast that you won. I will announce your name on ClockDodgers.com that you won. I will mail you the shirt. Matter of fact, I'll throw a wristband in too. You'll get a shirt a wristband, some stickers, you'll get all of that. You'll get all of that. All the mentions, all the props everywhere I can prop you up. You'll get all the credit, all the attention. You know, hey, when you get all that stuff, if you want to take a picture with all of it, feel free. I'll throw that up on ClockDodgers.com too. This is about love to the Clock Dodgers, man. That's what this is about. This works because of you guys. Most subscribers, most reviews by next Saturday the 14th, and you will get a Clock Dodgers shirt, wristband, stickers, all that good stuff. All that good stuff is yours. Again, thank you guys for the continued support, the continued love for interacting with this show. That's super important. Get the subscribers, get the reviews. Let's make this happen, guys. And even if you feel like you can't, you know, even if you feel like somebody's going to crush it right now, because someone's going to crush it. I mean, I want it to be you or you or you or I want a ton of people to crush it. But even if you feel like you can't crush it, get creative, just get a couple people in there, leave reviews. It's so important to support the show that way. I know you're listening and that's awesome. But the more people who listen, the better this gets, the bigger this gets, the stronger it gets. And you're a part of that. This is you. You know what I'm saying? Clock Dodgers is the podcast for the people. It's a clock. It's the podcast of the people. Come on, guys. Let's make this happen. Let's make this happen. There's no excuses for it not to happen. Good luck in any fantasy playoff competitions you're in. Let's get it. Visit ClockDodgers.com for more unique content. Connect with us now by following at ClockDodgers on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope.